Hey, this is Christian. Um, so as you guys know, we record on Thursday nights, um, usually finishing around 3 a.m. or so. Um, and I edit during the day on Friday. Um, so we just had we just had some horrible news break, which um, uh, finding out that Chadwick Boseman, actor for King T'Challa, uh, just passed away. Uh, and we just wanted to you know let you guys know that we, we did not talk about this episode, but we will be talking about it um next week definitely um you know it's sad news on top of an already hard week and i i hope that this episode will be able to at least entertain you guys uh and get you through another week and of course our thoughts go out to the bozeman family and um, anyone else that was close to him um and affected by his death of course all right uh, this is the worst transition i've ever had to do but with that said um here is the show welcome nerd are you ready to launch 138 expedition into nerdum? Preparing for launch. Queuing bitchin' rockabilly track. Priming engines. Placing adrenaline shots on standby. Unecrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling. Launching ANS in 3. Two. One. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. So don't get me wrong. The pandemic sucks. It's horrible. A tragedy. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm kind of enjoying the fact that we can walk around with a fucking mask. I, I don't know. Maybe that <laughs> makes me weird um, or just antisocial. But I love just being liberated and not having to, like, politely smile at everyone that I pass by. Um I know that's just totally like antisocial, but you know, it is what it is. I also love like all these like novelty masks that we're getting now. Mm-hmm. It's like making everyday like Halloween. Like it's socially acceptable to walk around with these things. Like I got myself um, from T Public a, a shiny mask that's like, you know, the carpet print. And then I got myself a Jason like hockey mask one. Um, so I, and I'm totally eyeing more right now. Uh, so and, hey, if you want to support the show, you can go ahead and pick yourself up uh, an amazing nerd show mask over at T Public. Plug plug. I definitely know it's my favorite mask to wear. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, back to me being an asshole. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's keeping people safe and saving lives. Uh, I mean, that's great. But I don't know, man. It's kind of like playing dress up every day. You know, I love. I love that. Like, there's billions of people out. Not billions. Hundreds of people out there, like campaigning against masks, and you're over here just smiling and walking down the street, <laughs> happy as all can be. And I mean, they suck at times because I wear glasses, so uh-huh. like half the time I'm fogging up. Although I saw this cool like button trick that I'm gonna try. Um, but yeah, but I I don't know, man. It's it's I don't know. It's fun. I don't know. <laughs> Every day's Halloween with a mask, you know? If you figure something out about the glasses thing, because, like, I, I have some light-sensitive eyes when it comes to, like, the sun coming down. I cannot drive, and mm. <laughs> like, when the sun's coming down at all, and that's the main thing that's killing me. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I will let you know. So, But, yeah, it's, it's a little life hack that I'm going to try. Apparently, you can right, put a button right. on top of your mask, like, sew it in. And then, like, place your glasses on top, and it's supposed oh, to stop okay. the fogging. I have not tried it yet. <laughs> so if it doesn't work, don't blame me. But anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I don't know. Boo pandemic, yay masks. Boo pandemic, yay masks. That should be on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we can get the characters from masks 
to be on it. <laughs> well, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, last weekend was the DC fandom event. It finally came, Damon, and we've gotten a shit ton of new items to talk about. Yes, and it definitely did not disappoint. And let's just cut to the chase. Uh, Let's talk the Batman. Uh, Matt Reeves showed up and he just talked about his passion for the character and how excited he is to be part of this project, um, along with Robert Pattinson. Uh, And they went ahead and they gave us tons of information about this, uh, which I was really surprised by. Uh, This is a year two Batman. He's emo as all fuck. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I'm digging it. Um, You know, uh, he's far from perfect and he's not having the effect that he wants on Gotham after a series of murders begin to happen. Uh, they all seem to be tied to the history of the city. So while the movie is not necessarily an origin tale, um, you know, this is a younger Batman who's trying to kind of figure out who he is. Um, he's learning about Gotham's corruption and he's trying to like reconcile like how his family, the Waynes, really like fit into this mess. So um, it he made clear um, during the panel that this is definitely a detective story. It's a mystery. And then we jumped right into the trailer. If you are justice, please do not lie. What is the price for your blind eye? The hell are you supposed to be? I'm vengeance. Holy crap, I was not expecting to get that much trailer from this. Because I know they haven't shot that much. So, but this was like a fully realized trailer. Yes, but what we got, no, it, it is a completely fully realized trailer. I mean, right off the bat, you know, we're getting our first look at the Riddler. You know, mm. he's duct taping the face of the mayor, it seems like. <laughs> um, then we're introduced to Commissioner Gordon. It, Batman seems to be on the crime scene with him, which I was kind of, you know, surprised by. I didn't ex- expect, you know, since this is early on in Batman's career for that, you know, relationship to already be established. Uh but man, yeah, we got to look at, you know, our first look at Catwoman, it seems like, um, possibly the Penguin. Uh, pretty impressive, man. I love the tone of this whole, like, trailer. I hope the movie, you know, is this, you know. I, yes. feel like, you know, <laughs> I hope it's not a case of, like, oh, well, we got a couple, like, clips, so we're just going to piece together this, like, cure video. So, I, I mean, it <laughs> But, but yeah, the this... rest of the movie is in broad daylight at yes. all times. You know, they're on the beach. <laughs> it's nice and sunny. Everyone's happy. Yeah, it's like Schumacher's uh, Batman all of a sudden. <laughs> During the panel, Reeves talks about one of the books that really inspired him was uh, Darwin Cook's Batman's uh, Ego uh, and Other Tales. 
So mm-hmm. um, he might be trying to throw us off the scent, but, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that book, so I'll have to check that out. So, but he says it's like a deep, like psychological exploration of like Bruce. So I'm sure that's in there, obviously. So, uh, but yeah, he also cited like Taxi Driver and Chinatown and the French Connection as like influencing this film as well. I mean, I I hope that they do, you know, up the psychological aspect for Batman, you know, really analyze him a bunch because I mean, he's clearly unwell. (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't just punch that guy he fucking takes him down to the ground and continues to hit him yeah you know, uh, no no that I, <laughs> yeah but if we could tell a great batman story where he's actually the focus of the film you know instead of like you know the villains stealing the show mm-hmm. i think that'd be fantastic because hey this guy's obviously you know psychologically you know traumatized to the point where he's dressing up like a fucking bat and running around, you know, swinging around at night fighting, you know, criminals. So, you know, that should be enough story right there. You know, we (laughs) haven't really had like a truly like Batman centric film. So and I Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if we're going to get that here. And I mean, what I get it, you know, Batman's rogue gallery is, you know, his bread and butter. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a little more focus on, you know, Bruce as a character and what makes him tick. All right. Up next, we have James Gunn's Suicide Squad. I think it's going to surprise people. You kind of sit there and go, how did they do that? It's going to be different from any superhero movie ever made. There's no one better in the world to direct the Suicide Squad than James Gunn. So this is another case of us getting more than I was expecting. Like, I was really, really surprised that we got the full cast. And not only did we get, like, a animated, like, introduction to them all, but then we got a behind-the-scenes, like, montage video along with that. So oh, I, Warner Brothers came to play. Yeah, man. Damn, they delivered this weekend. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we got to meet all the characters. Um, Gunn talked about how fun this movie is, actually saying that this is the most fun he's ever had on any film. Uh, and then he went ahead and he talked about how the tone of this movie is really a gritty 70s war film, which I was surprised by. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> so, But we finally have an idea, you know, what characters each actor is playing. Um, You know, we've known the actors for a while, but we didn't know exactly who they were attached to. Yes, let's clear that up. Uh, We've got Viola Davis playing Amanda Waller again. Joel Kinnaman back as Colonel Rick Flagg. Uh, We've got Michael Rooker as Savant. Uh, We have Flula Borg as uh, Javelin. We have Margot Robbie, of course, returning as Harley Quinn. Um, we have David Dasmalchian as Polka Dot Man. Um, we got Daniela Melchior as Ratcheter 2. Uh, Idris Alba as Bloodsport. Uh, Mei Ling Ning as Mongol. We have Peter Capaldi as The Thinker. We have Alice Braga um, coming up as Salsoria, Sol- I believe is how sure, you say Sure, whatever. <laughs> uh, Pete Davidson is going to be playing Blackguard. 
Nathan Fillion as TDK, Sean Gunn as the Weasel, and Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang, John Cena as Peacemaker, Steve Aggie as King Shark, and then we also have a Juan Diego Botton and uh, Joaquin Casio will be playing original characters um, named General Luna and Major General Suarez. Holy shit, that's a huge fucking cast. <laughs> Which is more exciting than you think because, you know, that means we're going to get a true Suicide Squad story out of this. We're going to get death left and right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, most of these characters <laughs> are not going to make it out alive, um, guaranteed. So, um, but I was super impressed with, like, just the looks of the characters, like their costumes mm-hmm. and everything, and, like, how, like, comic accurate they went. Um, I love John Cena, you know, um, as Peacemaker. (laughs) How I mean, he looks like an action figure come to life. So, Uh um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Elba as Bloodsport. I mean, they all looked great. There's some really good character designs going on here. So I'm Harley Quinn's new like costume. I thought was perfect. Um, no, that feels straight out of the comics. Yes, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm really excited to see this film. It looks like it's going to be a great time. I just can't wait to see what Gun like brings to the table here. Um, you know, with this like cast of characters and everything like that, and getting like carte blanche from you know DC to do whatever the fuck he wants. Um, it just feels like it's going to be a fun ride. All right. Well, up next we had Wonder Woman 1984. Diana, lucky you. It's like now one day has passed. I don't want to be like anyone. I want to be an apex predator. You've always had everything, while people like me have had nothing. Well, now it's my turn. All right, so we got kind of an extended trailer from this panel. Um, and our first look, on film at least, of Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. What are your thoughts, Christian? You know, I'm still digging the 80s vibes from it and everything, but at the same time, I'm not super impressed with what we got from Kristen Wiig's Cheetah. Not the portrayal, but just the you know final look of what they were doing with the CGI and everything. I wasn't too into the actual Cheetah. Now, I mean, you do see her kind of slowly transforming throughout it, and I think that's an interesting aspect. I'm, I'm interested to see what they'll do with all of that. But I don't know how the final look was. And the, and the trailer did give you a lot of that like big meeting between the two characters. So we'll see if there's more to that. <laughs> it did feel like we got like a little too much from this trailer. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, especially like in its closing moments, I felt like we were watching like the last 15 minutes of the film, like the final showdown between the two characters, especially with, you know, Diana, you know, wearing the Golden Eagle armor and everything. So that's my fear, because um, I hate when trailers give too much away. And I totally understand. I mean, they've been treading water. This film was supposed to, you know, debut months ago. So mm-hmm. they're trying to keep it people hooked you know by giving us uh, you know little you know tidbits here and there um but now at this point i feel like we've gotten a little too much um but hopefully that's not the case hopefully they were smart about it the one thing i did kind of pick up and i might be completely off but it feels like maxwell lord might have something to do with like steve trevor coming back did you get that vibe at all 
Um, I, I mean, I didn't catch that, but it makes total sense to me. I mean, you know, he's talking about, you know, bringing people's dreams and stuff together. And I think that's, you know, it would make sense that he was involved somehow. And that's like a good way to like cause her pain if he so easily can take her him away. So, yeah. but I, you know, I'm with you. I've seen a lot of like spoilers just through like, you know, the mm-hmm. toys and everything. Um, I felt like, you know, on film it overall it looked more impressive than what i've been seeing with some of these action figures um they're they're almost like downright you know ridiculous like goofy looking um so i don't know man i'm i'm hoping that you know it's kind of like you know something that's like slowly progressing you know the look wise and we're not seeing like her like fully formed yet I mean, there's just there's moments where the face and how it's imposed on Cheetah's like whole body kind of reminds me a lot of what we got from Venom. Yeah, you know where where when he actually shows his face, I don't know. There was that's just how I feel. I agree, but I mean, technically, um, a lot of it what I've seen like color and everything else looks perfect. Yes, so it's just it's just that little bit. Everything else is fine too. And I I trust Jenkins. I I love the first oh. Wonder Woman and everything like that. So I'm sure the story is going to be there. And I'm even willing to like deal with some questionable CGI if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we get a great story out of it. All right, Damon. Up next, we have the first full Snyder Cut Justice League trailer. guys probably fought hundreds of thousands of other super beings on the other planets he's destroyed right and we have to assume he's won i don't care how many demons he's fought and how many hells he's never fought us not us united you know if you listen to this podcast you know i'm not the biggest Zack snyder fan and nor are you um but i'm happy to see that he's going to at least get his vision out there. And I'm curious to see what it's like. I mean, he did start off this whole, like, DCEU or whatever they're calling it nowadays. Um, So, I mean, I think it's cool that he's, you know, getting that ability to, like, finally, like, kind of finish up his story. Um, You know, and I think it's cool, too, that it's going to be his full vision, that it's going to be, like, divided up into four parts an hour long. So, I mean, he's you know, getting his chance to like, you know, put it all on the table. So, I mean, it is what it is. Oh, it's a great opportunity for him. And like, um, you don't get to see this that often with a lot of directors, you know, they usually get to have to put a lot of their vision to the side. This is exciting to see, you know, like a four hour epic justice league, mm-hmm. um, film put together. So, well, I mean, hopefully it all works out, you know, let's, let's see what the Snyder cut can really bring it's it's the all new grown-up version of what we got before is, is what he keeps saying it's got to be better than what we got before i can't imagine <laughs> it being any worse yes all right dwayne johnson finally shows black adam concept art and jsa roster yeah so yeah, so besides some really awesome concept art from Jim Lee and Boss Logic, uh, I think the biggest reveal from this panel was that, you know, we're going to be getting Adam Smasher, uh, Cyclone, Hawkman, and Dr. Fate in this film also. Um, you know, the little trailer that they did was all concept art, but, you know, it featured them heavily. So I, I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. I didn't see that coming. 
Um, I mean, I know Black Adam, you know, has, you know, close ties with the Justice Society, but I didn't think they were going to be, you know, exploring that in the first film. Now, we're not going to get all of the Justice Society, but it feels like we're eventually going to get there, you know, probably in future films. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's definitely cool to see these characters introduced. I'm definitely excited to see if they'll do anything with Dr. Fate with the um, Justice League Dark that we're getting in the future. It would only make sense. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see how, like, they try to tie that in. Up next, we got to look at the Flash panel. So this is another panel that was really just about showing off some cool concept art. Um, They really didn't have much information to share, um, except we got a look at, like, it seems like Flash's new suit. Um, It definitely feels more streamlined. And then we also Mm -hmm. got a really cool piece of art with Michael Keaton as Batman um, hanging out with the Flash. So, uh Man, that's crazy to think. (laughs) Uh, But afterwards at at the Multiverse 101 panel, so they talked a lot about like the multiverse aspect of the Flash. And then afterwards at the Multiverse, you know, 101 panel, um, Hudson, who's the writer on the Flash, and also she wrote uh, Birds of Prey, just talked about how Barry is special because of his ability to like manipulate time. Um, and that he's one of the heroes who could like really like change his personal story, but how it comes at a cost. Andy Machete talked about how dangerous this, you know, power is, especially when it comes to like the space time continuum, Uh, you know, and that's kind of like the challenge, you know, for the Flash, you know, um, they went on to really go into like how Flash is going to like change the status quo um, and that, you know, this film's characters and right now how like in the DC universe, all the characters kind of like exist in their own bubbles. Um, you know, this movie is going to really just open up the door to the multiverse, um, you mm. know, just like the Flashpoint comic did. So, you know, that, you know, all these stories and characters are going to start to collide. So it's going to be a fucking huge, epic story, to say the least. It's going to be a huge undertaking. Just, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, being the first film to explain the multiverse for DC. I mean, it could be a huge triumph, though. I mean, um, even Marvel hasn't really touched on the multiverse just yet. I mean, we we finally had like a word of it and we still haven't seen anything. Yeah, well, yet. So we're I mean, getting is... there soon, though, with Doctor Strange. So <laughs> that's on the horizon. Uh, so they were able to pull it off in the Arrowverse, um, and that was a critically acclaimed. I mean, how they were able to tie, you know, all that DC continuity together, you know, throughout, you know, different mediums and everything. So, you know, it's possible. It's just hard to imagine it in like a two hour, you know, film time frame. Exactly. Um, That's my like main concern. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, but hey, man. More power to them for even trying it. Yes, and more Keaton as Batman. <laughs> All right, and then we also got a title for the next Shazam sequel. Yep, and that was it. Uh, Zachary Levi, though, <laughs> basically told us right up front that, you know, don't expect any huge reveals from this film. But the title of the film is Fury of the Gods. So um, that's pretty much it. Uh, but. Hey, man, another Shazam movies. Yeah, I mean, the first one was good, so I'm, I'm interested in seeing the second. All right, well, while that does it for DC Fandom, we also got a couple more stories we want to talk about, but we do need to get through them quickly. <laughs> 
Starting with Star Wars, the Clone Wars character rumored to play major role in Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Yeah, so we know Tamara Morrison will be returning in The Mandalorian, but it's also looking like he might be showing up in the Obi-Wan series um, as Commander Cody. And this is being reported by Kessel Run Transmissions. Um, it makes sense. The last time we saw Commander Cody, he was trying to kill Obi-Wan. So um, I don't know if we're going to be getting a brainwashed version of this character still hunting him down or a remorseful version of this character um, who, you know, is filled with regret and trying to, you know, make up with his old friend. I think it'd be interesting to see Obi-Wan like really trying to just make him friends, even though he's still brainwashed. I think that'd be a fun aspect. <laughs> I, I, I would like to see, you know, a Commander Cody like hunting down Obi-Wan. I think that'd be kind of fun. Uh, Does he still have those homicidal urges, you know, towards, you know, Obi-Wan? Or is this going to be like a story of redemption for him? Who knows if he's just like running with one of the Inquisitors or something? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's a cool concept, too. Maybe that's something we'll actually get to see mm. in this series. All right. Well, uh, up next, we have John Carpenter confirms involvements with the Thing reboot at Blumhouse. All right. So a while back, um, around January, we heard this story that Blumhouse was going to be working on a film based off of Frozen Hell, the newly discovered uh, full-length story by the original author, uh, John W. Uh, Campbell. Uh, who penned who goes there the short story uh, and now it seems like John Carpenter is you know attached to be an executive producer so uh, hopefully it's better than the crappy remake we got in uh, I believe it was 2011 um, that just felt completely like a waste of time hopefully it's better than that shitty remake we got in 2011 Hopefully this is Blumhouse at its best and not what we got with some of those crappy ones from earlier this year. All right. Um, up next, we have Fede Alvarez's Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot firing its directors one week into shooting. So yesterday he parted ways with directors Andy and Ryan Tohill after only one week of shooting over creative differences. Uh, but no worries. They've already hired... Um, Emmy-winning cinematographer David Blue Garcia, who's actually from Texas. Yeah, so hopefully they don't miss a beat and, you know, the film's still on track. Just a week behind now. <laughs> All right, it's time for your weekly dose of Christian's Corner. Yeah! Oh, did you think our coverage of DC fandom was done? No, I've got to talk about the two games that were announced during it. Uh, first up, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Suicide Squad trailer that we got. The um, Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. Uh, the trailer looks fucking awesome. Um, all the characters look pretty cool. There was, It was a cinematic trailer, so there was no real gameplay or anything shown off just yet. Uh, but the fact that, you know, Samoa Joe was King Shark, and, uh, you know, you have Tara Strong playing Harley Quinn again you know, as doing the voice and everything. Everything just felt right. Um, I definitely think it's going to be a cool aspect, um, fighting the Justice League. Um, I love the setup to everything, where they're just like, you know, pretending to actually be in battle while they're sitting around doing nothing. I'm, I have the trailer playing as well uh, right now while I'm talking about it. Uh, I thought it was a very cool and unique way of showing off a new game. You know, um, I'm hoping for the best out of it. 
uh, Rocksteady did a phenomenal job with the Arkham franchise in general. Uh, what we got from that, I'm hoping for the same style of like uh, combat and stuff like that. But um, they might want to try something new, especially since they have another. Uh, not well, their studio doesn't, but um, with Gotham Knights coming out as well, which is the next game I'm going to talk about, uh, they might try and do something different. I mean, it there's a lot of cool aspects, you know, with uh, Captain Boomerang zooming around and stuff like that. It definitely seems like there's an opportunity to really change up the um, gameplay and do something new with this uh, type of game. Um, I, I am interested to see if they're going to go the multiplayer route, similar to what Gotham Knights is doing and stuff like that. Uh, well, let's talk about Gotham Knights. Uh, so we got a full like um, gameplay trailer and a normal trailer for the game. Uh, I, I am excited about the storyline, you know, focusing around the Court of Owls. Um, DC seems to be doing a lot with the Court of Owls, so we'll see. We'll see where we go with that. Uh, but I'm definitely excited to see Talon and uh, having to play as you know. It, it feels right. Um, it feels like the natural progression, you know, after Batman dies, you know, getting to play as all of the. Um, you know the sidekicks, uh, all of his, uh, all of his Bat family and everything. Um, I was surprised that there was no Batwing. Um, I thought, you know, uh, if anyone would be in the game, and maybe that's a, you know, an extra character that they'll show off later on, or even DLC down the road. But it felt like if any time you're going to bring in Batwing into a game, it would, it would be now. Um, I, I, I definitely think that's a missed opportunity if they don't. But I mean, they are—they're they're putting a lot together here. Now, the main thing I was concerned by when watching it was, you know, we're—we're we're just coming off playing the you know, Marvel's Avengers beta and everything with that, and the fact that this game has a heavy focus on um, tag teams through multiplayer and stuff like that, being able to do missions with multiple characters and stuff like that. Um, you know, if it's anything like what we were getting out of the Marvel's Avengers game, I'm not too to that you know I'm, I'm mostly a single player type of player in general but you know i don't know something felt real off about the marvel's avengers game and that's the closest thing i can you know compare this to at this point um you know that i mean that game itself does have a lot of bugs and stuff and we're, i'm hoping that you know they've you know been in the lab fixing that thing because the game comes out in like a week i think i think i believe it's next weekend so We'll see how that goes, but I mean that's the only, that's the main thing that you know worried me about the game. Beyond that, everything looked fucking phenomenal. I mean, it looks like an Arkham game. It looks like it's gonna play the exact same way. Um, I was super excited by the character design. Super excited by how fluid the motion and animation, everything in the game looked. I mean, it just looked and felt right while watching the trailer and watching the the full gameplay footage. So I was definitely excited by the. So that's why I also want to bring it back to, you know, it, I'm trying to figure out if this Justice, not this Justice League game, but this um, Suicide Squad game is going to be kind of on the same boat. Because, I mean, it's uh, I mean it's still the Arkham franchise creators. You know, is it going to have the same combat? Is it going to be multiplayer as well? Um, I was surprised that the Suicide Squad game showed off only four characters. I'm kind of hoping that there's more there. You know, you can play around with the aspect of, you know, characters dying and stuff like that. That's something I would definitely want out of a Suicide Squad game, where it's like, you, based off how you play, um, that could lead to any character dying at any time, and how, who you end up with at the end of the game, you know, is ba solely based off of how you play. I think that would be the coolest aspect to go, but I doubt it's going to be like that. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's just something I would want, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, so I was super impressed by Gotham Knights. Um, I, you know, not enough from Justice 
I keep calling it Justice League. Not enough from Suicide Squad to really, you know, tell by anything just yet, but we'll see. Uh, this weekend was has also been Gamescom, so we'll get into Gamescom next week, uh, just uh, for sake of time and everything. Um, so definitely tune in next week for that. Um, I have a little bit more Ghost of Tsushima coming out this week, and then September is going to be you know all new games. Uh, I'm going to continue playing Ghost of Tsushima, but it's not going to be my main focus anymore. Uh, I, I will I will still have streams for it going up, but I'm going to be playing pretty much almost a new game every week. Uh, it seems. Yeah, you know, there's tons of betas coming out, tons of um, new games starting. It's September, so it's it's the release, uh, it's fall releases coming real fast. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that, October and everything going forward. Uh, I think one of the big things I'm going to be playing is Outer Worlds. Um, I definitely loved that game the first time I played it. I'm excited to do a second run. I'm excited to play all the DLC for it. Um, so we'll definitely see that. It'll probably be mid-month, mid-September, I mean. Uh, so definitely tune in for that. Uh, if you don't know where to, go over to YouTube. That's where we're at. You can subscribe to us, The Amazing Nerd Show. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed so you can get all of our gameplay videos. Um, and then soon we'll have some pop culture videos starting to show up there and highlights and stuff like that. So definitely check us out there. All right, let's move on. This week's episode is sponsored by Manscaped. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. Christian, we're all stuck inside right now. And a lot of us are taking care of household projects that we all thought we'd never get to. Well, I'm here to tell you, don't let things get out of control below the belt. It's time to add shaving your balls to your honey to-do list. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down below. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light, so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower. Whatever floats your boat. Listen, God knows, it looks like I got two caterpillars fighting my forehead. So I was super excited when Manscaped released their Shears 2.0 Nail Kit which is the perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes tip tweezers, rounded pointed scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. The Shears 2.0 nail kit allows you to pluck your eyebrows and trim your nails in style. On their website, you'll also find the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame that summer swamp ass with natural hydrators and antioxidants. You'll also find the Crop Reviver a testy toner that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. And listen, we won't judge you if we catch you sniffing yourself, you fucking weirdos. So go <laughs> to manscaped.com and check out all these life-changing products. In fact, listeners of the show will get 20% off plus free shipping when they go to manscaped.com slash nerdshow. That's right, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com slash nerdshow. It's time to grab 2020 by the balls and show it who's boss with Manscaped. And the Nerd Show. All right, so this is our final week for our artist spotlight on Quentin Tarantino. Uh, this week, we're going to go ahead and we are going to rank our top five favorite Tarantino films. Number five, Inglorious Bastards. 
Each and every man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps. And I want my scalps. Tarantino's history-altering war film is one of the greatest revenge fantasies ever told. Our journey starts with a young woman barely escaping through a field after her family is slaughtered by Nazi soldiers and ends with the same woman almost single-handedly ending the war as the Nazi party burns in her theater as her haunting image appears on the screen, laughing and showing them the face of Jewish vengeance. Talk about fucking epic. All in the same breath, Bastards is also a wonderful homage to war films like The Dirty Dozen. It's a true ensemble cast filled with unforgettable performances by the likes of Brad Pitt, Christopher Waltz, and Michael Fassbender. But what really takes center stage here is Tarantino's craftsmanship as an artist. He builds some of the best nail-biting scenes ever committed to film, giving us a masterclass in suspense and tension. This is Tarantino at the top of his game and why Inglorious Bastards had to make our list. Number four, Django Unchained. And after this, we'll see if you break eggs again. John Brill! One man that understands vengeance stories is Quentin Tarantino, no matter the genre he delivers. Now picture this, a German bounty hunter and a newly freed slave go bounty hunting in an ultimate quest to free the former slave's wife from the clutches of a powerful plantation owner. Django Unchained is a blood-soaked tale of the South that could only be executed by Tarantino, but it wasn't the action and violence that sticks with you the most. And while there is plenty of it, showing off the horrors of slavery and the brutality of a gunfight, it was the well-casted performances from Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Kerry Washington, Sam Jackson, and Leonardo DiCaprio that allowed this film to stand out brightly amongst our list. Tarantino's solid characterizations and writing, backed by these actors, is, is pure gold and shows not only the range of the talent in both cast and director, but their mastery and tone as every bit of tension is felt between each scene of pure vengeance. This reimagining of the 1966 spaghetti western is exactly the type of big motion picture experience any filmgoer would want out of a modern day western and continue to show off Tarantino's true love for all cinema. Number three, Reservoir Dogs. Say the goddamn words, you're gonna be okay! Oh God, say the goddamn fucking words! Say it! Oh, okay, Larry. Correct! 
So it all started here. One of the greatest directorial debuts of all time not only launched the career of this groundbreaking artist, but also revolutionized cinema forever. From the very opening scene we meet our characters, engage in a conversation that not only displays Tarantino's writing prowess, but also feels uniquely real. The dialogue is filled with pop culture references. The banter helps frame who these characters are. We feel like we're sitting alongside them in the diner. Yes, this is the introduction to the film's Band of Thieves, but it's also the introduction to the world of Tarantino. I mean, it's the best heist thriller without a fucking heist. Dog's bare bones approach feels more like a play at times than a film because it knows the real story is what's happening in between the lines with these characters. It's all about script and performance. After the initial rock star money shot of our cast leaving the diner, Dogs doesn't spend another moment really glorifying who these thieves are, like so many crime films do. Instead, we watch these characters go down a path of self-destruction. This is a theme and a staple of many of Tarantino's films. This, along with trust and loyalty, is at the core of what this story is about. What's fascinating is how Reservoir Dogs lays the groundwork for all of Tarantino's hallmarks. I mean, the non-linear storytelling the crisp dialogue, the long tracking shots, the sense of style and violence, and the master use of music. It's all here. This isn't a film. It's a blueprint for things to come. Number two, Kill Bill. Mama. I should have been motherfucking Black Mama. Weapon of choice? If you want to stick with your butcher knife, that's fine with me. <sighs> Very funny, bitch. Very funny. I remember watching Kill Bill for like the first time at home. As I was probably too young to see it in theaters, I watched it in pure amazement. Not being able to peel my eyes from the ravenous cinematic beauty of a revenge tale done right, before I even knew who Tarantino was, I could tell this was a film experience on a different level. The tale of the bride hunting the man who took away her new life is arguably the best action film to come out of the 2000s. Using techniques and storytelling from his previous features, Tarantino crafted a love story to kung fu flicks unlike anything anyone has ever seen. Uma Thurman's iconic performance as Beatrix Kiddo is a phenomenal portrayal of a female protagonist in action. And while she may not be a pure hero, Tarantino wrote the story in a way that has you cheering her on every second. The stylistic choices blending different kung fu elements and mixing in an unforgettable score almost made this our number one film, as it is a pure masterpiece in vengeful cinema. Number one, Pulp Fiction. Marvin, what do you make of all this? Man, I don't even have an opinion. Well, you gotta have an opinion. I mean, do you think that God came down from heaven and stopped Oh, what the fuck's happening? Oh, oh man. Really? Oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. Why the fuck did you do that? Well, I didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. Oh, man, I see some crazy-ass shit in my time, but just chill out, man. I told you it was an accident. He probably he went over a bump or hey, something. Hey, the car ain't hit no motherfucking bump. So if you've listened to this month's previous countdowns, there's no doubt what Tarantino film would be ranked number one on this list. Pulp Fiction is a touchstone film. 
It's undeniably entrenched into pop culture. Its characters are iconic. Its dialogue is so memorable, it's part of our lexicon now. The film still resonates today because it was so unlike anything we ever saw before it's released. Tarantino took what he learned from Reservoir Dogs and crafted a hard-boiled, self-referential tale that just hooks the audiences from the start with its non-linear storytelling. Tarantino has the balls to challenge his audience to chase these three out-of-sync narratives as they intertwine. We're on this journey along with Butch, Vincent, and Jules. I mean, and he knew that his neo-noir crime story would keep the audience hyper-focused on what was to come next. What's so impressive is this is his second film and his vision is already so clear. He's found his voice as an artist and a storyteller. Truly amazing. This film and its style of telling a story out of order and yet still having a cohesive and well-toned narrative and through line really opened up my eyes to how strong a filmmaker Tarantino is and how uniquely distinct a film can be. While Reservoir Dogs was the blueprint to Tarantino's style that we all know and love, Pulp Fiction was the full masterpiece in all its glory. As Damon said before me, it's a cornerstone of pop culture and so deeply ingrained in society today. Each storyline is chock full of unforgettable moments that have inspired many of today's filmmakers and continues to be a reference of work beloved by all. It is completely deserving of our number one spot and I personally will always love this film. Hey, and with that said, that ends our artist spotlight for this month of Quentin Tarantino. If you had any different list than us, like um, you know your favorite moment, your favorite character, or um, your favorite film, let us know in the comments below. Now on to wrestling. Greetings and salutations, Mr. Orton. My name is Keith Lee, and I have come here to offer you this spectacular opportunity, this luxury, this privilege to stop what you're doing, take just one moment and bask in my glory. All right, it's that time again. It's time to talk wrestling, David. Uh, we had a huge weekend with NXT TakeOver 30 and SummerSlam. Plus, we had our first introductions to the Thunderdome. Um, we're going to be talking NXT TakeOver. So what, what did we think about that? <laughs> well, we don't think anything, Christian, because you didn't watch it. <laughs> but I thought it was a solid yes, I, show. <laughs> uh no, I totally meant to watch it beforehand, and it became Thursday. It, and it now became I Thursday. <laughs> like, there was a time jump in there <laughs> from Saturday to Thursday. Uh, but anyway, it's fine. You know, I took one for the team. I mean, but it was a solid show. It, was, it, was, it wasn't a sacrifice mm. on my part or anything. So, uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. All right, first up, we had the triple threat tag team match to determine the number one contenders. We had Brizongo going up against Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch and Phantasma. So this was, I mean, this was a decent opener. Uh, I was surprised to see Brizongo, uh, you know, walk away with the win. I was kind of hoping that Lorcan and Birch would get the shot here, uh, especially since, you know, Fandango and Breeze just got a title opportunity, I feel like. 
Uh, but they went ahead and they capitalized on this and walked away with the titles, uh, defeating uh, Imperium uh, this week on NXT. All right, up next we have Finn Balor going up against Timothy Thatcher. Man, this match was down and dirty. I love Thatcher. Um, just, I love that he's just this mix of like old school, like, you know, this old school, like shooter style almost, but he's just vicious and Balor and him had great chemistry in this match. They got lots of time. Um, you know, I, I, and it, it was predictable that Balor was going to win. Of course, I'm just concerned that Thatcher's kind of going, you know, down this, like, you know, road of being kind of like a glorified job guy at this point because he's suffered quite a few losses lately especially after they felt like it just felt like they were shining him up at, you know with him defeating riddle and basically chasing him mm-hmm. out of nxt it is what it is this was a great match though all right uh, up next we had the ladder match for the vacant nxt north american championship which featured damian priest bronson reed Cameron Grimes, Johnny Gargano, and Velveteen Dream, of course, with Damian Priest capturing the title. This was an okay match. Um, it's definitely not going to rank on anyone's, like, you know, top 10 ladder matches of all time, even in NXT. But, uh, you know, overall, it was better than I expected, I will say. Um, I felt like everyone brought their A game to this match, um, especially Bronson Reed. Uh, you know, he's really impressed me lately. Um, he's just a fun big man to watch. I also love his like little like nod to Bam Bam Bigelow with his gear and everything. I thought that was really neat. Um, I'm hoping to see like big things from him because they kind of do this like stop and start thing with him a lot of times where he starts to compile wins and then he suffers a big loss and then it seems like he moves down the card. So hopefully he's like able to gather some steam. Um, he's going to be facing off eventually, it feels like, against like Damian Priest and working a program. Um, but we shall see. All right. Uh, up next, we had Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee. All right. So I want to start off by saying that Pat McAfee definitely impressed in this match. And this match was better than I expected. Um, but that's all fine and good. I still don't understand the point of this fucking match. Because it does nothing for anyone except for Pat McAfee. I mean, you have a, a football player, a retired football player, come in and, sh- you know, cut mm-hmm. a great promo. I mean, he's a great promo. But in this promo, he talks about how he's only trained for two weeks to do this. And then he goes out. And has this fantastic match with Adam Cole going toe-to-toe with one of your greatest champions of all time. How does this help anyone? Like, how does this help your brand? How does this help Adam Cole? Is is McAfee going to become a wrestler here? Because I, I doubt that, right? So what what did this do for anyone? I just mm-hmm. don't understand the point of this match. No, he, he already you know, stated, except, like, afterwards he's not going to do another match. You know, I mean, it just, it, I don't know, man. I think it hurts your brand. I think it makes it look weak. You know, behind the storyline and everything like that. Yeah, it's awesome that Cole can have a match with anyone. 
Um, not saying that he completely carried McAfee or anything. I mean, McAfee apparently is, you know, a committed fan and he's had a wrestling ring like at his house for a couple of years now, like ever since he's been like associated with like WWE. So he's been training on and off for this. So, I mean, you know, even though the storyline says that he, you know, started two weeks ago, no, he's been working up towards this. Um, but the fact that that line, you know, was in his promo, and once again, it was a great promo, really kind of like stuck in my craw because I was like, well, what what good does that do anyone by saying that? Because unless Cole comes out and just demolishes him right up front, what does Cole get from this match? You know, except for like he couldn't take out a fucking kicker. You know, I mean, it just, it, I mean, it's not like McAfee's fucking Lawrence Taylor or something. You know, and I had a problem with that match too, so... I don't know. I don't know. This this match just wasn't for me. Did they give McAfee the punt? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, he had the kick and everything. It was a really great performance by him, but I just, I don't know. It just frustrated me because I didn't understand where they were going. Well, obviously, they're building him up for a feud with Orton. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. <laughs> All right. Up next, we had Io Shirai versus Dakota Kai for the NXT Women's Championship. Also with Raquel Gonzalez. This was a good match. You know, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I felt like the finish was really predictable. Um, but overall, they did impress me. I mean, Io is just fantastic. Dakota's starting to grow on me. Um, <laughs> I will admit to not being the biggest fan. Uh, but you know, here they were clicking on all cylinders. Uh, you know, I mean, like I said, there was never a point in this match though, where I felt like Io was really at risk of losing the title. And Mm -hmm. I think that was my biggest problem with this match in general. Um, it felt kind of like filler, if you will. Uh, at the end, you know, Rhea comes out and, you know, helps out Io, um, when Rock, what's her name? Um, Raquel Raquel Gonzalez. When Raquel gets in the ring. Um, but then, you know, we get the long shot of Rhea, like, peering over Io's shoulder, you know, kind of, you know, looking on, um, kind of looking on and, like, teasing, you know, things to come. All right. Uh, last but not least, we had Karrion Cross versus Keith Lee for the NXT Championship. So this was a disaster of a match. Um, and it's not anyone's fault, really, since Cross got injured you know, halfway through the match with a obviously a pretty bad shoulder injury. Um, but this was a grueling 21 minutes, uh, you know, which just sucks. I don't know once he got injured and he did his best not to like show it, but it was very obvious. I don't know why they didn't decide to like, just, you know, go home at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been acceptable to just hit the finish and everyone would have understand like eventually um, it is what it is. Um, so unfortunately, Cross had to relinquish the title on NXT, um, you know, which really sucks because it feels like obviously they're going to rocket strap him at this point. Um, so I can't imagine where they're going to go, you know, with this character. Mm-hmm. But I guess we're going to have to wait and see because he's going to be out for a long time. Uh, but we are going to be getting a four-way dance, uh, a four-way Iron Man match. Um, 
But we're going to be getting an epic four-way Iron Man match, which I don't think I've ever seen before, uh, between the newly heel Tommaso Ciampa, uh, Johnny Gargano, uh, Adam Cole, and Finn Balor. So, and that's happening on Tuesday next week. Uh, NXT is being preempted, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm super excited to see that match. I'm definitely excited to see a returning heel Ciampa back in action. Uh, um, and as we know, Keith Lee was called up um, to the main roster after this um, to a lackluster debut, <laughs> uh, in my opinion. Uh, new music, new uh, ring gear. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, and uh, just a complete waste of time match with Randy Orton. Uh, where they did nothing for him but just, you know, make him look like an, a stepping stone in Orton's path to McIntyre. Uh, apparently, they're going to be having a match at Payback this week, which I, I still don't understand why there's a pay-per-view this weekend, <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, hopefully, um, they, you know, show Lee in a better light um, this weekend. For the love of God. <laughs> yes. Please. I'm wondering with Cross if they're going to go ahead and basically McIntyre him um, and just like that, that we just saw his last match in NXT and, you know, when he comes back from injury, if they just call him up, you know, to the main roster also. I mean, I feel like that'd be um, unfortunate yeah. for NXT, but I can totally see that happening. I mean, at this point, I mean, if he's going to be out for months and months, you know, I mean, they'll eventually fill the void and be able to move on, I'm mm -hmm. sure. Especially when you have Valor there. It feels like he's probably the next in line for a big run or Ciampa. Um, you know, and Cross, it just, it felt inevitable that he was going to be called up to the roster anyway. Mm -hmm. So, sooner than later. Alright, well, what would you have given NXT TakeOver 30 as a rating? I mean, overall, it was a solid show. I'll give it three and a half stars. Um, I think this is one that is kind of forgettable, unfortunately, except for Cross's injury. Um, but it was entertaining from start to finish. That's good to hear. I wish I had watched it. <laughs> <laughs> you still can, Christian. <laughs> I still can, and I probably will. All right. Now we have SummerSlam, the biggest party of the summer. All right, Damon, this was a card you didn't see coming. We had, first up, Apollo Crews versus MVP. Well, this was match placement that I didn't see coming. Because what the hell is this doing on the pre-show? This was such a big focus of Raw for, like, the past month. And then they just, like, throw it onto the pre-show. Um, really strange. I mean, this was a nothing-happening match. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Crews... Thankfully, defeated MVP. Um, I'm happy to see that they're still going with Cruz at this point. Um, but it feels, you know, just obvious that he's going to end up dropping that title to Lashley. And they already set that up um, for payback at this point. So, Well, we'll have to wait until payback for that, I guess. All right. Uh, Which is a week away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> two days away. Because it's, it's 2 o'clock the morning, Friday. So, yeah, it's in like two days, man. Yay. <laughs> All right. Starting off the actual card, we had Bailey versus Asuka. Uh, Bailey holding on to her SmackDown Women's Championship. So, this wasn't a great match. It was a good match. Uh, 
it really just like set the table for things to come though mm-hmm. uh it ruined our you know revenge fantasy sequence that we had going for asuka um that you were predicting like six months ago that i thought was just <laughs> impossible and almost happened somehow uh, i was very impressed and disappointed at the same time because you had the same booking idea as mcmahon but i mean pat yourself in the back it didn't work out that way so you still might be a better booker <laughs> but yeah um, it, this could have happened on a raw it feels like mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like such a waste of a title opportunity. It could have gone to another, you know, wrestler. Um, the, the finish of the match was, eh, and it plays into the, the second match, which bothers me even more. And I, yes. I'll, I'll talk about it more when we get there, but yes, cause it was kind of botched, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on. All right. All right. All right, up next we had the Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza for the Raw Tag Team Championship. I'm hoping this is over with. I'm done with the storyline, honestly. Um, This has been taking up way too much time, and it feels like it's just going nowhere, honestly. People are getting poisons. Um, I don't don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, it just feels like such filler, honestly. Um, you know, it's not as bad as the Viking Raider shit, but it's it's almost to that point, honestly. So they have some like woman from the Bachelorette like showing up uh, here and there on Raw for no reason. It's never explained why she's there. Okay. Um, but she's like working a little angle with Angel. I, I don't know. So, but anyway, I, I hope this is it. Um. Not the best match in the world. I was expecting more. Um, it felt like Ford was a little off. There was a lot of, like, I don't know, botches happening, you know, here and there. Um, but I don't know, man. I'm just done with it. <laughs> <laughs> These are two really fucking talented teams. And I constantly am, like, telling people around me, you know, these guys are people worth watching. But then we get matches like this, and it's just like, eh. They just I don't. don't I don't feel like they click well mm. in the ring. So I, I can't. Yeah, I can't think of a great match that they had, and it feels like you know they've had plenty of opportunities at this point. So maybe it's just a chemistry issue. I'm not sure, but it, it's just not working for me, and I'm ready to move on. Well, speaking of moving on, we had Mandy Rose versus Sonya Deville in a no disqualification loser leaves WWE match. So after everything that you know happened over this past weekend uh with sonia i mean the fucking nightmare Mm -hmm. um that she lived through uh they had to unfortunately change uh the gimmick to this match uh because uh the lawyer requested it basically um they didn't think it was a good idea to have her show up to court with like a shaved head um and then she's also going to have to take some time off you know because of everything so um you know, it is what it is. I was actually surprised that they even went through with the match mm-hmm. at all. Honestly, um, I can't imagine like living through that trauma and, you know, wanting to show up to work, you know, the next day. Um, so more power to Sonya. Um, they tried really hard. Um, it was a better match than I really expected. You could tell that it was really like, you know, thought out and like choreographed. Um to the point where at at times it felt like they got lost a little during the match. 
But, you know, overall, it was fine. Um, I'm just sad that, you know, Sonya finally, like, really started to, like, come into her own as a performer. And, you know, unfortunately now, because of circumstances, you know, out of anyone's control, um, you know, she's going to have to take, you know, a decent amount of time off. Yeah. yeah, But, I mean, she deserves it, mm -hmm. honestly, so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wasn't too dazzled by the match itself. But, um, I mean, all things considered, the fact that they even went through with it is uh, impressive on its own. All right. Uh, up next, we had Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio with Rey Mysterio and Murphy on their sides in a street fight. All right, Christian, what did you think of this match? Uh, we got, you know, Mysterio, both Mysterios in the back, you know, Dominic telling his father, please don't interfere. And that was kind of the story of this match. You know, you have... Uh, Dominic going up against Seth uh, and getting, you know, beaten left and right. But, you know, Miss Ray, Ray desperately wanting to get into the ring, even though there was points where it's just like, is Seth even hurting Dominic in these holds? <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's just points where Seth is just sitting on top of him and not doing anything to actually harm the man. I, I, well, he's taunting he's Ray. He's taunting Ray. I, I get it. That was the whole point. I don't know. It it was it was driving me a little nuts. Like at least put him in a chokehold or something. Give me give me some reason. You know, you're just letting Dominic rest at this point. I did like what we got from Dominic. I, I thought he shows some promise. You know, there's 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 definitely a lot of skill there. Uh, yeah, he's inherited. He's still green, but yeah. yes, I agree. Um, I I don't know. It, it was an okay match, but I I'm kind of over this feud. I've been over this feud for a while. Uh, I I was over it since before Ray got his eye <laughs> taken out. So yeah, <laughs> I just I hate the fact that they brought Ray back so early. Mm. Um, and I wish if they, if he was going to be here at the pay-per-view, they would have kept it a, as a surprise, at least let Dominic stand on his own, mm -hmm. you know, put on a, you know, a good show. And then, you know, once, you know, Murphy starts to interfere a little too much, Ray Mysterio, like makes his big return and everything and is in like, you know, Dominic's corner and it's like, you know, chases, you know, Murphy out. Cause I felt like that would be like the bigger storyline, the bigger pop, if you will. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, but it it is what it is. I I thought it was fine for what it was. Uh, yeah, and Dominic definitely seems like he has a future in this business. So uh, I'm sure that you know, hopefully they have him go down to you know the performance center and you know train now for a year or more, you know, and let him go through the process. I hope that they don't expect him to be on the main roster. Um, you know, actually contributing you know this soon because I do feel like it's way too soon. Oh, no, he's going to be fed to Brock Lesnar by WrestleMania. What are you talking about? <laughs> Wasn't he already fed to Brock Lesnar, right? Oh, was Did he? he eat? Yeah, he was. That's how, that's how he kind of debuted. I forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still feel like they should have put him on a pole. You know, they had, had that, you know, Dominic on a pole match that we never... That we basically got back in the early 2000s. Ooh. I thought that would have been fantastic. <laughs> but anyway, whatever. I did like uh, Seth going after the wife for a moment there. I, 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 I like Dastardly Seth. I just hate his theme. <laughs> I'm over Dastardly Seth. Aww. I don't understand this gimmick, but whatever. All right. Up next, we had Asuka returning to face Sasha Banks 
um, and winning this time by submission for the Raw Women's Championship. Um, so for this match, uh, Asuka and Sasha can put on great matches any day of the week. That's that's a given. But the way that they had this... And I, I did mm, think they put on a good match here. Yeah, no, it was a good you know? match. It's all up until the finish. When they had yes. to like repeat basically what they did earlier on, and then you have me trying to believe that you know Bailey not getting hit would lead to Sasha losing when Bailey could easily have just ran back in at some point and actually helped, you know? Yeah. I felt that that was like way overstated and obviously (laughs) something was supposed to happen that didn't happen, but the announcers were still selling it like it was happening. So it just, it didn't work unfortunately Mm. and kind of ruined the match for me. Um, But like the match itself, the wrestling that took place was fantastic. I could watch these two wrestle all night so i mean it's just unfortunate that that you know they were booked with a a, a ridiculous finish yes it just drove me crazy all right up next we had drew mcintyre versus randy orton for the wwe championship what did you think about this match damon that was a good match i enjoyed this match um you know 20 minutes it was a solid wrestling match i liked that you know it was I even liked the finish um, with Drew, you know, catching Randy with a backslide. Um, They both protected their finishes. So it wasn't like they hit their finish like six times in a row and they kicked out, you know, over and over again. Neither of them hit their finish. So it leaves some meat on the bone Mm. for later on. Um, I was really expecting Orton to walk away with the title here. So it was a pleasant surprise because I'm not over, you know, Drew being champion just yet. You know, I feel like, you know, there's still, you know, a lot of story to tell here because I feel like once Randy does win that belt and I do feel like he's going to win that belt, um, it's going to be on to like a program with Edge eventually when he comes back. Uh, So I'm hoping that Drew gets a chance to run with the title a little longer. I like the match. I I, I hate the backslide. I I personally, I just don't like the drew mcintyre of all people winning with a backslide i don't know it's it's storytelling man I, I, it's storytelling i i get it i get that you know this continues the feud and everything i hated the backslide at the time i was just like no boo <laughs> i just don't need i i feel like we overexpose finishers you know especially in these like bigger title matches and, you know, when you have people constantly kicking out of finishers and everything, um, I feel like it just totally waters it down. And now their finishers are still there. Like, you know, what's the bigger finish? You know, his Claymore or Randy Orton's RKO? And that's kind of what this feud, you know, part of the feud is built on. So that's still, that question's still out there at least. Um, now, where they're going with this, you know, after Raw with Drew getting you know, punted in the head three times. <laughs> Who knows? It feels like, you know, he should be out for t- 20 years, but apparently <laughs> that's obviously not going to be the case. Um, watch, they strip him of the title. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, apparently, Shawn Michaels can g- just get up from a punt nowadays, too. So that was ridiculous. Did you see that? <laughs> yes. I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Lay the hell down. <laughs> Like Randy, like spent like a month taking out people, uh-huh. you know, with the punch, or years, honestly, with the punt kick, you know, taking out people, and then Sean just gets up. Like, what are you doing? He's the heartbreak <laughs> kid. I don't know, man. That was weird. Um, but yeah. So 
we'll see. We'll see. I didn't even like McIntyre getting up after like two kicks. You know, that bothered me. Mm. So it is what it is. I'm sure he'll be back for the next pay-per-view after payback. Um, and we'll, you know, get the next chapter in this feud. All right. Well, after Randy Orton squashes Keith Lee. Yeah. <laughs> of course. He has to go over, be- right? Because Vince McMahon, right? Yes. I yes. mean, unless they have like a weekly like feud where it's like a number one contendership thing and then eventually Orton goes over. Maybe. Maybe they go that route. Maybe that's the big surprise. You know, Keith Lee ends up beating Orton and then he's inserted into this feud. I don't know. I don't see it, but... Who knows? Stranger things have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Last but not least, we have the fiend Bray Wyatt going up against Braun Strowman for the Universal Championship and a Falls Count Anywhere match. All right. This was kind of this felt very short for a Falls Count Anywhere match. Um, really? Th- yeah. Twelve minutes. Did you want this match to go longer than 12 minutes, though? I, with these two guys? With these two guys and everything that's been going on, I, I don't know. Especially with Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, I expected, you know, a big cinematic moment or something. You know, when they mm. go, like, into the back, then they easily just cut away and that we're going on some crazy adventure, you know? I would agree a couple months back, but after the debacle of, you know, the last pay-per-view, I was okay with it just being a straight match. So I understand where you're coming mm-hmm. from. And like after WrestleMania, I've been like, yeah, why aren't you doing a cinematic, you know, match here? Um, but yeah, no, after after the swamp fight. Yeah, I'm <laughs> over that. So <laughs> I thought I thought overall, like it was a decent match from the two. I thought it was one of the better like fiend matches that we've gotten. Um, you know, I mean, the finish made no fucking sense to me. I still hate the whole like I'm going to rip up the canvas and expose the wood mm-hmm. like i you know when they rip up the canvas we can see that it's just a very thin like sheet of cushion underneath it so and why would this wood be harder than the fucking concrete on the outside of the ring like i don't understand this finish at all now the last time you know, that I worked guess... was with champa and gargano and but the, I didn't even like it then. Like, I, I feel like it's ridiculous. I feel like it's just more spectacle mm-hmm. than anything. Like, oh, they're tearing up the canvas. But it, it makes no sense to me as a viewer. <laughs> you know, there's concrete outside. There's no way that ring is harder than fucking concrete. So it, I don't get it, you know. Um, I, I was surprised, though, with Reigns, you know, showing up. I was happy that, you know, Bray ended up winning the title here mm-hmm. um but i was completely confused by the lack of alexa bliss yeah it felt like that's where the storyline mm-hmm. was going here but apparently they wanted to say that since we have the big surprise of who christian the big dog roman reigns i was okay with that i really was <laughs> it's something new listen you're not suffering through these fucking shows every week. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, <laughs> so Roman coming back was a welcome surprise because at least it's something different. They could have gave know? Brave some like a little bit of breathing room, though. It's title win, immediate spear. You So you no, it's OK. So now at payback, we're getting a match between Roman, Bray and Braun. Uh do you see Roman walking away with a title? 
this soon or do you feel like really it's a three-way just so one of the other can you know take the pin or obviously braun yes. will take the pin here <laughs> no i agree do, I, I think it's for braun to take the pin do you think they save the bliss moment for this match uh i feel like it's i think it's too late at this point i feel like you just move mm-hmm. past it well if she comes ah, they have to they I mean, I wouldn't put past them mm-hmm. to just kind of forget about it, but my God, that would be awful storytelling. The <laughs> Even story for is McMahon. Roman Reigns now. Yeah, but that's it can it can exist on its own. Like that doesn't have to be the story. That's too much. List for could them. come out. <laughs> List could come out and cost Braun this match here, and then you can move on to Reigns and you know Bray. That's what's, fine. What's the story after that? I mean, it is WWE booking, but it is what it is. You go with Braun for maybe a week or two, and then, you know, he goes his way. And then you've got a, a, a an interesting pairing between Alexa Bliss and The Fiend, you know, and we see where that goes. I think creatively, you know, Bray can do something with that. And it feels like what the fans want right now because it's actually getting ratings. So, I mean, why the fuck not? So it's a different, a different like, wrinkle into a feud with like him and you know roman which obviously that's where they're headed to so you're making roman reigns batman to to his maybe (laughs) or big dog man (laughs) big dog man (laughs) (laughs) i don't know man don't let vince hear that (laughs) they'll actually become a thing oh my god so now did you have an idea uh for roman I just figured it would have been a cool aspect to have had him come back with Retribution. You know, you give them something interesting to do with Roman Reigns at, at the helm. You know, he, now, he's, he's the leader of the rebellion. I don't know. Why? So why is Roman? But why would Roman be leading the rebellion when he's like the company guy? Because <laughs> they don't want him to be the company guy in the eyes of the viewers. So, okay, so now you're going, okay, off script, so that's, but, like, <laughs> how do you make sense of Roman being, like, part of the Rebellion if he's the guy that, you know, everyone, you know, says is getting pushed down, you know, the viewers' throats? I mean, you, I, I don't know, you, you use his shit in the past where, you know, WWE has made all these mistakes, so I'm coming in and I'm fixing it up, you know, I'm, I'm the big dog and I'm fixing the show. Yeah, that's that easy, easy awful. writing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something they would do. And then they'll turn him face in a week and we'll just forget about it. I mean, I, I, I'm i 100% certain that they have like no out for this whole like angle right now with mm-hmm. Retribution. Uh, the only thing I could think of is like maybe they're NXT guys just because we haven't seen them. I don't believe attack NXT. Uh, that's the only like resolution to the storyline that I could really think of that makes sense. Um, for a while, I was thinking maybe that they would be like rehiring a bunch of the people that they actually let go mm-hmm. uh, originally with the layoffs and bring them back, and it'd be that group like getting you know revenge on WWE, um, you know, for firing them during a fucking pandemic, which would make sense. <laughs> uh, it's, <laughs> but it's that's just... way that's way too real. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
It's Heath Slater uh, just complaining that he has kids the entire time. Uh huh. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but most of those guys are signed now, so mm-hmm. I have no clue. And like I said, I don't think they have any clue where they're going with this. Uh, but I'd be really surprised if it's the big dog leading the charge. But maybe you're right. But, yeah, that, I feel like that would be the more interesting angle. I was thinking it was Ciampa. Yeah, for a little bit because he was off TV for mm-hmm. a while. So I was like, okay, well maybe he shows up. You know, I don't know why he needs retribution, but whatever. All right. Well, what would you give SummerSlam as a rating? So I'm going to give it three stars. The in-ring work was there. I just don't feel invested in any of these storylines right now. And that's the biggest problem. Oh, Jesus Christ. We even talk about the Thunderdome. Oh, yeah. What what did you think of the Thunderdome? I have no problem with, you know, the screens and stuff. I was just completely surprised that they didn't use them as a weapon at any point in this entire <laughs> event. That's coming. That's absolutely coming. <laughs> um, I just hate the uh, pumped in like crowd noise. So that that's my big problem because it's just so out of sync. Mm-hmm. With what, you know, they're doing on screen and what's happening in the match since they're trying to do it live. It just didn't work for me. And it, I don't know. It, it was almost jarring at times where it, it took me out of the match. I guess I just understood that they're all seeing it like probably 30 seconds after it actually happens. So but I just they're not let it using, go. They're not actually using their their real audio. Well, then if, if you're not going to do that, why not, you know, do it right? <laughs> I have no clue. I don't know if there was too much of a delay and everything. And they have someone like communicating to everyone, like coaching them what to do. Oh, okay. Yes. So there's, there's someone saying, here comes your hero, Roman Reigns. Everyone cheer, thumbs up. So that's why you see like a lot of people like in sync sometimes, you know, Uh doing the same gestures. Um, And that's why a lot of times people were getting cut um, because they weren't following along with what they were supposed to do. And then, like, obviously showing inappropriate, you know, images and shit, you know, on the screen, too, because we're children. Pikachu still landed there for, like, five minutes just staring. There was a weird warlock guy (laughs) (laughs) that I couldn't take my eyes off of, like, you know, for for half of a match. Um, You know, we know Chris Benoit showed up, unfortunately, and then just some awful fucking racist bullshit at the end. So, you know, you can't (sighs) trust people. Mm Mm-hmm. To right, be well, grown-ups. <laughs> well, my grade would be two and a half, mostly just because we didn't get Asuka three belts. Uh, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, they're, they're fucking over my storyline. Um, uh-huh. as, as you said, all the wrestling was there. It's just the storylines suck. And, um, you know, Asuka deserved all the titles, and she didn't get them. That would be actually, and I hate to admit this, that would actually be the natural course of the storyline. If it was mm-hmm. such a big, like, revenge motif that they're going for here, where they're, you know, she's supposed to be getting revenge for her fallen teammate, that would have been, like, that would have made perfect sense for her to, like, debelt, you know, Bailey and, you know, Sasha, the, the golden role models of all their gold. Exactly. So, but they, you know, WWE did. And now Nia Jax and fucking Shayna Baszler are facing them. 
All right. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's end the show. Exactly. Uh, All right. But before we head out, make sure to head over to dramacityproductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. That's right. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. Hey, and if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Tee Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely, and you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. All right, Damien, what are we talking about next week? All right, so next week we should have reviews for Bill and Ted Face the Music and possibly... Finally, the new <laughs> mutants. It's about damn time. All right, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's the Amazing Nerd Show. Keep on fight! Keep on fight! Keep on fight! Keep on fight! Keep on fight!